to you by Chemistry. Hi everyone and welcome to Brought to You by Chemistry. What's brought to you by Chemistry, I hear you ask? Complicated reactions? Complicated exams? Even more complicated romances? Yes, but in this case it's also a podcast series from the Royal Society of Chemistry, so you see the branding there. My name is Dr. Alex Lathbridge and we're fully charged because in this series we are taking a look at batteries, bringing together experts from inside and outside the world of chemistry to help us understand the ins and outs, the positive and negative, the ups and downs of all things batteries. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I guess my first question is, could I get you to introduce yourselves? I'm going to start with you, Brenda. Sure. Hi, I'm Brenda Park. I am Chief Operations Officer at Storterra. Um, I studied earth science originally. So my degree is in earth science. And then I did a PhD in physics. And now I am, yeah, as I said, Chief Operations Officer for a, uh, an energy storage company called Storterra. Wow. And so, other guest, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, uh, I'm Satish Patil. I'm a currently professor at uh, Indian Institute of Science in Bangalore, India. Uh, I did my PhD in uh, chemistry. By training, I'm a chemist. So, uh, currently, my research interest is the area in the, in the area of uh, energy storage as well as in energy generation. Primary, our research is mainly focused on you know, developing new organic materials for uh, energy generation as well as storage application. Okay, wonderful. So, you know, just to be upfront with you, I have absolutely very little knowledge about batteries, like and battery storage and energy storage. So you are going to be teaching me a lot of things. I've got two experts here. So this is very nice for me. I get to start my morning learning, which is the best thing. Um, so, uh, my first question, uh, first couple of questions are for you, Satish. Um, could you please tell me what is the Sunrise Network? Okay, Sunrise uh, is an international project. Uh, essentially, the main objective and goal of the Sunrise is to address the global energy poverty through developing uh, next generation solar technologies as well as battery technologies. So this project is essentially led by uh, Swansea University. Uh, this network uh, unites several leading universities and industrial collaborations in, uh, uh, from UK as well as Global South in a very interdisciplinary research collaboration fashion. So this network uh, aims to apply our uh, research into renewable technologies to create an impactful solution for people uh, and, and the planet. So you're talking about solar power here. I mean, how do batteries feature in this work? I mean, what's the importance of having batteries? The batteries are essential component of, of any uh, energy uh, you know, component because batteries essentially store the energy. And batteries bring a number of environmental advantages. Uh, for example, by enabling a greater share of uh, renewable energy in the power sector, they help to avoid this negative environmental impacts of fossil fuel or a nuclear-based power, such as air pollution and its corresponding effects on human and ecological health, as well as I would say also in a greenhouse gas uh, emission. Uh, so 
batteries ca can be recovered, you can recycle, and some of them, uh, unlike fossil fuels, uh, which are burned and lost forever, but when you use batteries, batteries can be uh, recovered. So, but in, a, in, a, in any, any typical energy uh, system, uh, during intermittent power, suppose uh, during nighttime when the solar energy is not essentially available, that time battery plays a very, very important role. They store the energy and they can release the energy as when you desire. So the batteries are very, very critical component of this renewable energy devices. Okay. I mean, just you, you have explained it a little bit, but to ask the question um, very simply, I mean, what is a flow battery? Because I've never heard of those things before. So this is a, another a kind of electrochemical energy storage device. In redox flow battery, the chemical energy is stored in, in electrolytes in dissolved form of an active material. So what happens in typical redox flow battery, uh, the electrolyte contains one or more dissolved species flows through an electrochemical cell that converts chemical energy directly into electrical energy. Uh, additionally, electrolytes uh, is stored externally, generally in a external tanks, and is usually pumped through the cell or a stack of a cell uh, uh, and although uh, essentially the flow batteries can be rapidly recharged by replacing the liquid electrolytes, uh, filling fuel tanks, or uh, it is recovering the spent materials for uh, re-energizing. So if you just compare a flow battery with the conventional battery, a conventional rechargeable battery, like for example, you could take example of lead acid battery or lithium ion battery. They store the chemical energy in the form of active materials in electrodes. And during charge and discharge of such batteries, the electrode materials oxidation and reduction reactions. Uh, whereas in typical redox flow battery, the, you know, the, the redox pairs are stored in an external tank. So there is a difference between a conventional battery and redox flow battery. Wow, that's amazing. I'm learning so much. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm now going to jump to you, Brenda. You are, you're in the hot seat now. Um, you better be ready. <laughs> Brenda, I mean, can you tell us about the new battery technology that StoreTerra is working on? I mean, what's happening where you are? Yeah, sure. No problem. And thank you, Satish, for explaining what a flow battery is, because that's that's what we're developing. We're developing a very exciting um, kind of flow battery technology. Um, it's it's uh, not your common, like vanadium redox is a very well-known type of flow battery. Ours is based on lithium sulfur technology. So currently lithium sulfur technology as a solid state battery is, is being developed for things like aerospace or large format transportation things that require high power density and high energy density. It's also a quite a light battery compared to other lithium ion systems. So, but, but there are problems with this technology. So lithium sulfur has inherent um, challenges that, that need to be overcome before it's fully commercialized. So our flow battery is based on lithium sulfur technology and it, it overcomes these inherent challenges that lithium sulfur technology has by being a flow battery. So we get the advantages that flow batteries offer. As Satish said, he mentioned them being decoupled, power and energy being decoupled. That means you can scale your power and energy separately. 
So the electrolyte that's stored in an external tank with a flow battery can be as big as you want it to be. You can have um, that determines your energy capacity. So you can have a huge tank or, or numerous tanks of, of electrolyte liquid, and that goes through your flow stack, which determines the power capacity. And both can be scaled independently. So you can have um, exactly the power and energy uh, capacities that you need. Now, you can't get that with lithium ion batteries. They are kind of encased permanently in, you know, the cell has a predetermined power and energy density or capacity that, that you can scale independently. So that's one of the great advantages of flow batteries. So we get to offer them along with the high energy density that lithium sulfur technology has. So our flow battery is a lot more energy dense than, than other flow battery technologies. For example, vanadium redox is about 70 watt hours per liter, while ours is closer to 200 at the moment. Now, what does that mean? That means you need less space to, to get your energy capacity that you want. So you'd need a lot more area to get what you need, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's our flow battery. We call it the single liquid flow battery because unlike other flow batteries, we just have one liquid. So one tank, one pump, and that liquid gets pumped through the stack. Whereas uh, normal flow batteries have, have two, a positive and a negative uh, tank. Okay, I mean, so we're talking about sort of these these tanks, but like for a person... Uh, for our listeners sort of hearing this, uh, what does this, what do these batteries look like? I mean, how big are they? How, you know, what, what, what sort of shape are they? Because for me, the only battery I know comes in a sort of cylinder uh, shape. What do these batteries look like? Our, fl our flow battery is still very much in the lab. It's R&D stage. We, we've installed one prototype so far um, in 2017 on the west coast of Scotland in Noidart, and that ran for two years successfully. So that one, uh, this is kind of Mark One. Our, our first prototype was a was a, a you know a HD a black HDP tank, and that had the electrolyte in it, and the stack was really just a, a rectangular box next to next to it. But that's you know prototype stage and, and it's evolving we're now building the next generation system that we're going to install um for perth and kinross council this summer so we're it'll be part of a smart energy network we're building for the council so that one really from the outside it'll just look like a box <laughs> i think but what's inside is evolving and improving you know with every iteration of of the system that we do you know when you get to grid scale it will all be in containers um, and we will have scale uh, modular units, say 25 kilowatt units that will be within that container. Okay. That, that, that makes honesty. That does help. Good. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's very helpful. Otherwise, I would think of these and probably listeners would think of these as these sorts of nebulous concepts or really huge like AAA, AA batteries. <laughs> yeah. They're just massive ones. So this is a this might be a really stupid question. All right. But. Why do we need energy storage? Why? Like, what's the reason that we need this? Why can't we just all have like AA batteries sitting in drawers everywhere? Like, why do we need energy storage on such a huge scale? I love this question because there's so many reasons why we need energy storage. Um, first of all, we have this big race to net zero. You know, we, we need to decarbonize. We need to remove our dependence on fossil fuels. Um, and to do that, we need renewable energy like solar farms and wind farms. And very simply, because the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow, we need energy storage to fill in those gaps. So store energy when there's too much wind 
our solar and then release it when there isn't enough being generated or when demand is high. So to, so to get to a, a net zero grid, a net zero um, economy, we need energy storage to do that. Now, in the UK, there is um, a thing that happens called wind curtailment. So that's when the grid cannot handle all the wind that's been generated. And when that happens, the wind farm owners are paid to turn off their turbines, which is crazy. In, in 2020, this happened 75% of the year. Wind, wind farms were paid to shut down. So that was 3.7 terawatt hours were not generated. Why? 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 That doesn't make sense. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm making energy, surely energy, more energy is good and it comes from the wind. This is, I don't see downsides here. I know you would think, but if there isn't demand at the time, the grid can't just take infinite amounts of energy unless people are using it. And, and you know, this happens at times when you know, everyone could be asleep in bed, you know, demand is low. So it, they have to be turned off or the grid, you know, the grid just can't handle it. So it's it's expensive, you know, to the, go to the UK government, it's very expensive. And that energy could have been stored in batteries and then delivered back to the grid or to customers that's a problem that's a real problem here in the uk we need we need to sort that out so battery we need batteries for that and then as we electrify heating and transport so we're looking at evs we're looking at electrifying heating demand is going to increase significantly so we need more renewables we need more batteries also energy security uh look what's happening now with the, our dependence on russia for gas we need um control of our, our energy here in the country so loads of reasons. Um, also, energy storage allows you to do something called arbitrage. So you charge your battery when electricity is cheap or, or when there's lots of renewable energy available and then discharge it when prices are high or when uh, generation is low or demand is high, if that makes sense. So it gives you this kind of flexibility. It gives you control um, and it, it allows us to have more renewable energy on the grid. That's actually really yeah. clever, this arbitrage. I like it. Mm. Um in terms of batteries, now, you know, you've, you've both told me a lot about batteries, but in terms of um, lower income countries, I mean, how transformative can batteries be? I mean, it seems like they can have a big impact. They do, actually. So I, there is, because you see there's a rapid demand for, uh, uh, you know, for energy, for urbanization or industrialization in the developing world. So this will also have a have a impact on the environment but uh, essentially if you have a clean energy to mitigate these problems so the battery plays a very very important role uh, i'll just take an example uh, you know india has pledged like 30 to 35 percent reduction in carbon emission intensity from you know by 2030 for that to happen, a massive expansion in electric mobility and renewable energy is essentially required. Suppose if you just take e-mobility or if you take an example of uh, uh, you want to decarbonize electric mobility in India, uh, the Indian automobile industry is very unique uh, because the large number of two-wheelers are dominating the, 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 the personal mobility segment. Uh, it, it is, so, for example, a two-wheeler is, uh, you know, are constitute nearly 80% of the total vehicles. So uh, the development of battery technology focused on uh, these uh, uh, ve ve vehicles is, is a bigger challenge. So, so for the developing world, the demands are very different. For example, perhaps in a developed world, the majority of the focus on, on a premium four-wheelers, 
if i simply take electric mobility as an example uh, but uh, you know in a in a developing world there are different types of vehicles uh, you know where we need to focus of developing bat- you know batteries for uh, decarbonized electric mobility so how are we going to meet those energy demands without impacting the environment so you need some environmental friendly solutions so this is where the the battery plays a very very important role oh wow i mean you you have you've mentioned it a little bit but to ask sort of specifically here um satish if you were to have you know battery technology um getting to a point where you know you were you were very you know, very happy with it sort of in the next five, 10, 20 years. I mean, what would the potential social impacts be um, there? Okay, so I, I love this question. So I will take it up this one. So, uh, you know, uh, battery again plays a very important role uh, for, uh, it has also a huge social impact. I will give you an example. Uh, during pandemic, what happened? The the, the entire education was, uh, you know, sort of conducted on a digital platform, and there is a large number of community uh, in a developing world. They are grid deprived community. When I say grid deprived, means they do not have access to the electricity. So essentially, that large number of population did not get the education during pandemic. Imagine they are having a access to the electricity. Imagine they are having access to the uh, Wi-Fi connections or you know internet. They also could have got a, you know you know education. So this is a one very recent example where we experienced during pandemic a large number of population we could not provide the basic educations. So this will have a a long term impact, a long term social impact. Uh, If if we would have had a a simple renewable energy solutions, for example, I can have a microgrid of a different variants where I can use a free source of solar energy, but interfacing with the battery, I can use that electricity during nighttime. So this would have solved a major problem and this would have also made a huge impact on society. So that's one example. But... In, in what during sunrise, we also felt that we were implementing, for example, in a, uh, a small microgrids. When I say microgrids, it's a, uh, it, it involves a two major components. One is solar uh, and battery. What we felt in the places where there is no electricity, uh, for example, a cooking midday meal or people have a access for a bright room light, that makes a huge impact on a on a on a on a on a, on a education. So I find it a, a this has a direct correlations for the growth of a country as well as it has a major social implications. Having a clean access to the energy for the entire population, it will going to address many many problems on the planet. All right, and um, Brenda, I mean, what about you? Because I mean, you might look at it from a slightly different angle i mean are there any major social impacts of of batteries here in the uk uh yeah i can talk about the uk um but i'd also like to give an example of of a developing country project as well i'll do both um 
So the our founder and CTO, Pasidu Paluela, he's from Sri Lanka, and um, he's running a project there that's energizing a rural community that's that's located in a, a UNESCO World Heritage Rainforest. So there's communities of people who live there and they have no energy, but they and they have issues with with elf conflict with elephants. So, you know, elephants come into their community and cause damage and they need a solution to keep these elephants away. So they need lighting and a special kind of fencing uh, and, and they're creating a pathway that allow the elephants to pass through and allow the people to live safely and, and reducing the conflict between them, um, you know, in, in a, a humane manner. It's all being done very sensitively to the environment and to the ecosystem there. So, so people are carrying by hand batteries and solar panels to this community because there's no roads, there's no you know, no routes to get there. So they're, they're bringing uh, solar energy to this community um, in a very sensitive way. It's a nice project. Um, and, you know, that avoids the need to build roads or, or dig up, you know, routes for cables and that, that would really damage the, the ecosystem. So that's a nice example of um, how batteries are helping overcome those challenges in a, in a, in a nice way. And then here in the UK, so um, so while we're developing our flow battery, we have some products um, that we sell currently using uh, lithium ferrophosphate uh, batteries. Uh, and one of those is a small scale system we call the store tower. So you could have one of these installed in your home. So we sell, send them up to the island of Hoi up in the Orkneys, where um, there's a lot of fuel poverty in these remote islands because energy costs are really high. Um, so people... Um, so we're installing our store towers along with solar panels for these homes and and that gives them you know energy independence it reduces their bills um and that in turn reduces fuel poverty we've done about 10 10 systems so far but the plan is on the island of hoy we're working with the hoy development trust is to, is to roll it out to all the homes there and and our system is a bit different because we have we have an ai platform that kind of that manages the um the solar and the battery it manages it intelligently and it can it it uses all of the solar in the house intelligently so it can divert energy to maybe a hot water tank or certain loads in the house to make sure it's all used in the house so it doesn't export anything anything to the grid which is important in a location like that where the grid is very constrained there's a lot of renewables up there and the grid is is struggling to manage them all so so the the grid kind of doesn't want any more energy being exported there. So we've created this zero export renewable energy little system for the the homeowners there that helps uh, reduce fuel poverty. Right now here in the UK, what are we actually using for energy storage? Um, if you know if if people are wind farms are being paid to turn off. Um, the, the the sort of the wind farms. I mean, wh what are we doing right now to store energy? Um, are we doing anything very good? <laughs> we are doing a lot. I mean, we have, uh, oh, you know, old. We've had pumped hydro in the country for years. We have some, you know, large pumped hydro sites. Um, there's a lot of energy storage, utility scale storage, being installed in the last couple of years. I think we have. 1.7 gigawatt hour, gigawatts installed now. And these are mostly lithium ion, um, 
large scale lithium ion battery sites and there's a lot more coming there's a there's a huge pipeline uh coming and a lot of these are you know grid scale so they're there working to support the grid they're they're giving the grid energy when it needs it taking energy from the grid when it when it can't handle it um so we are doing a lot we're, we're getting there um but they are lithium ion mostly lithium ion batteries which have quite a well they have a lifetime of about 3000 cycles so that would last say eight years if you cycled once a day but if you cycle twice a day which you're more likely to do it will only last four years so that's a uh, you know that's not a very long time for such a large system to last all the batteries that have to be replaced so um flow batteries offer a much longer lifetime more like 20,000 cycles so it will last you know 15 15 years if you cycle twice a day that kind of thing that's where we are right now. There's a lot of new, um, a lot of innovation going on in the UK as well. Um, Bayes, that's the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, are funding um, a particular funding round looking at long duration energy storage. So that's batteries that can output power for more than one or two hours. So you're looking more like four, five, eight hours, you know, outputting for longer times. And that's seen as an important component of the, the energy mix of the future just on that on that topic i guess satish you'll you'll actually both of you be able to answer this hopefully but satish um sort of chemically what happens to batteries to these batteries sort of flow batteries and the batteries that we've been talking about what happens to these batteries at the end of their end of their lives where do they go what happens to them yeah that's a very very interesting and very important questions uh, especially when we are addressing questions of uh, you know net zero uh, uh, there are different components in the battery. Uh, so I, I, I will give a specific, I'll come back to flow battery example a little bit later, but a type of electrolyte uh, used in a battery has a major impact on the performance of a battery. Uh, it is uh, essentially some substance, for example, in a lithium ion battery, uh, the kind of electrolyte uh, people use, it can have a, a negative impact on human health. Uh, for example, uh, sulfuric acid uh, is a common electrolyte used in lead-acid battery. It is a very good example of this problem. It has a you know a negative impact on human health. And uh, lithium-ion batteries are not even uh, you know also have a other issues. It's a highly flammable. Uh, you know the current uh, electrolyte used in lithium-ion batteries are it can form a toxic uh, you know substance. And if they get released in an enclosed space, the space such as a in, in a garage or in tunnel, uh, so this can cause a lot of uh, negative impact on the environment. For uh, so they also use uh, very uh, sort of a highly toxic. It can also form a highly uh, toxic and corrosive byproducts such as hydrogen fluoride. Uh, this is as uh, you know some of the issues with the lithium-ion battery. Whereas uh, in a flow battery, uh, at the moment, as Brinda mentioned, uh, they, they are uh, some of the flow batteries are commercialized. For example, vanadium flow battery, but the kind of battery uh, we are developing at this stage, uh, the, the the one of the serious attempt is how we are going to recycle, because that's a major advantage with the flow battery. So this electrolyte tank, you can simply recycle. You, know, you can change this, this solvent and uh, electrolyte into these external tanks and you can recover 
back again those uh, uh, you know electrolytes so that's a major major advantage with the flow battery as compared to the conventional uh, uh, batteries uh, like lithium ion and lead acid battery okay and so brenda from from your perspective what happens to batteries at the end of their lives like from a business sort of perspective what happens there yeah, I just I agree with Satish. There, it's a major challenge with existing technologies. Um, there's a lot of companies looking at it, what to do with these batteries at the end of life. There's there's a risk that we're going to have a a battery waste mountain with with all the EV um, batteries that are going to be used. You know, as we electrify transport. So this is really important to us. This uh, and I haven't mentioned this yet, but we want our flow battery to be a sustainable battery. There's there's no point bringing along more technology, you know, more battery technologies if they're not sustainable. So we are trying to build a circular economy with our flow battery and we're working with Zero Waste Scotland to do this. Uh, uh, we want to source as much raw materials as we can from the UK um, to create supply chains if they're not already there. So our main uh, materials like sulfur, sulfur is a waste, is a byproduct of the um, oil and gas industry. So we could source our sulfur there. Lithium, we'd love to get lithium from used batteries, but as Satish says, it is challenging to, to get that lithium out of there in, in a usable form, but there are people looking at that. And our main solvent is a byproduct of the wood processing industry. So we've, we're engaging with that industry to, to see if we can source it, how much it would be, what, what um, you know, purity level it is and that kind of thing. So always trying to make it um, a, a circular economy and and for it to be fully recyclable that's our goal we want it to be fully reusable at the end of life so we you know we have hdp tanks that can be reused the electrolyte can be used as satish said so it's a major challenge with current battery technologies but new ones um like ours are hopefully addressing um this issue one thing that you, you sort of mentioned when it came to um the uk and um, how we sort of process energy in the grid. Um, can you explain, like, what is what is this idea of community energy? What is that? Sure. So um, this is when a community owns a renewable energy asset. That could be a wind turbine. It could be a solar array. Um, and the, and the the income that's generated by the the asset is is put back into the community, so the community can invest that in. Um, in other projects like that Hoy project I mentioned is being funded by income that's been generated by a community owned wind turbine. So that's gonna pay for the solar and storage that the homeowners are getting with income from a, a large turbine. So that's a really good example of, of that. Another example would be um, uh, like a community owned solar uh, installation on, on a community building like a clubhouse or something. So if, if the building didn't have very high energy demand during the day, if you add a battery, then that community gets the better, but they get to use all of their solar. They get better benefit. It reduces the bills, that kind of thing. Cause it's always better to use as much of the renewable energy that you generate to offset bills rather than sell it to the grid, especially as energy prices are going up and up, you get the best benefit by, by offsetting your bills. Okay. So let's say, you know, my community, or a listener, let's say, you know, our listeners, let's say they've got a community that want to, you know, really explore this idea of community energy. 
you know, maybe it's just a group, maybe it's just some friends who really, really enjoy sharing power. How do batteries fit into this? I mean, what, how can a battery uh, be involved here? How could one of your, your batteries help? Um, yeah, so I am one of those people who sit in a community group who want to do something <laughs> locally. Is it, it's harder is it, than it sounds. <laughs> is, it, is it just you and your mates with like a doodle pole or something being like, okay, you have to generate more power today. Well, I generated power last week. Can you believe it? Brenda doesn't even put her solar panel on. All right. <sighs> is, it, is it like that? <laughs> I wish I, I don't even have solar panels to my shame. I don't. Um, maybe in the future. Yeah, a kind of peer to peer. Um, you know, there is, uh, you could have an app that says you could sell energy to your, to your neighbors or your friends. Um, that that's been done. We worked on a, a project in, in London with EDF and, and, uh, repowering London and there's solar and batteries on the roof of a, an apartment block in Brixton in London and, uh, and homeowners within that block can, uh, they all own a little bit of the solar and the battery and they can, share sell energy to their neighbors if they haven't used it so that's uh much more doable when you have a battery there otherwise you're kind of only during the day when the sun is generating you know so the battery brings a lot more uh options into the mix okay, may i add a, a warning on that same question may i add something definitely like, it's exactly what we want yes you know one of the example i can give in sunrise so we build a sort of a solar powered as a smart building in a rural part of the India. So what essentially does is we have a uh, this you know solar panels integrated with the batteries. So where we make a large sto- storage rooms because in a small community in a interior India, where if farmers grow a uh, you know for example flowers, farmers grow uh, different vegetables. But uh, they have to sell in a in a in a town or city and urban. And they, for, for example, somebody has to sell the flowers fresh in the next day morning. They can store the flowers in those cold storage. So similarly, it also helps in a dairy farms. So the the milk produced overnight, it perhaps may go bad if you do not store at very low temperature. So having access for the community they can you know make make use of this uh, smart buildings store their products in those smart buildings and sell the next day as the fresh uh, atom so this way they they, they the, whatever the, uh, you know farmers generate at uh, uh, in an interior part of the country they can next day morning they can sell it off as a you know and they can still make a same benefit so this is the way uh, these small battery solutions uh, will help uh, for such community. Um, now, with that in mind, um, this is actually my last question for both of you. Um, I'll start with you, Satish. Is it better if, you know, if if I were to set up some sort of, um, you know, community, community uh, energy, or even, you know, for an entire country like the UK, is it better to have one big battery with lots of storage or, a network of smaller batteries uh the you know the demands are very very high for one kind of battery is very hard to meet all those demands so currently the it is the battery technology there is no single battery technology will meet that demand each battery technology has its own limitations as brinda mentioned 
uh, suppose if i put a lithium ion battery you know it has it has its own limitations it has also lifetime uh, maintenance cost becomes a issue so uh, you know at the moment we do not have a, any solution for completely uh, you know to make a transition from fossil fuel to the uh, renewable energy resources because there are, there are no solutions available as such this is true in case of solar uh, energy generation this is true in case of energy storage which is battery so we have to come up with new battery technologies we have to also come up with new emerging solar cell technologies uh, cost play very very important role here cost is very very critical i remember that you are always competing with the fossil fuel cost so the the whenever you are providing a solution you have to outsmart the existing technology so for that purpose it is very very important to have a very cost effective energy generation devices as well as energy storage and so brenda um same question to you is it better to have one big battery with a huge amount of storage or lots of little batteries with smaller storage sure um great question and uh, yes difficult one to answer so i'm going to cop out and say both <laughs> um both have the role to play um stanford put out a report that's kind of uh, predicting what you know the future is going to look like and they see a battery in every home and and that battery uh, you know you that's your energy for the day in that battery you will get a set price you will pay a set price for that battery uh, you know and when that so you don't have these peak prices and you don't have um um high prices and low prices throughout the day it's just you take your energy from the battery that's been charged when there was energy available. It's just a much more manageable, it's almost like it would be like a subscription service. You just pay uh, a fixed amount to have that battery in your house and that will charge your car and your house, everything you needed to do. And it's cheaper for everyone. There's less billing costs and all that. So that has a role to play. Cost, I think costs are still too high for everyone to have a battery in their home. Um, because it costs money to generate energy and, and all a battery does is store it and release it. So you really only want that to cost a couple of pence per kilowatt hour if you've already had to pay to generate it, you know? So costs need to come down for a smaller scale system. Um, and then larger batteries are needed to support the grid and they're needed to support, you know, industrial applications and, and bigger things like that. Um, and, and you do get economies of scale, so you do get cheaper energy with larger batteries, but um, we do need new technologies um, to, that are lower cost, more sustainable, longer lifetime, um, which we happen to be making. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, yeah, things like ours are needed to, to, to create the future grid that we need. I love it. I love it. A good green grid um and i'm hopefully we can look forward to seeing it in my lifetime at least yeah um so i mean that's those are all my questions thank you so much this has been really great like in the space of one hour i have had an entire like new new world open to me so thank you so much you're very welcome thanks yeah. alex no. thank you alex no. That's all for this episode of Brought to You by Chemistry. 
Join us next time where we'll be going from start to finish and then back to the start and finding out how scientists are trying to make the batteries of tomorrow more recyclable. It was produced by Hiran Joshi and Elizabeth Ratcliffe and presented by me, Alex Lathbridge. <laughs>